0: Mike. Camera. Action.
1: Who am I talking to?
0: Oh, Terry Leather, Kevin Swain, Martin Love,
1: Eddie Burton. Yeah, Mr. Schilling was kind enough to speak with me about this. You put Dave on the phone, eh? Well, I would, but uh, he seems a bit indisposed at the moment. Uh, What do you want? Just a couple of things from what you stole. A ledger
0: with a dark red color and some photos that I'm sure MI5 is interested in. The Royal Portfolio. Oh,
1: well, we got his money and jewels. And I suggest you look again. Speak to your friends. Hello? Who's this? Eddie, it's Terry. Terry. <laughs> Terry, you fucking help. Dame's all messed up. They're they gonna do the same to me, you gotta help. Listen to me, Eddie. I don't have what he wants. What? No, no, you gotta have what they want, you got to. You gotta help. Eddie, what am I supposed to do? You tell him we don't have it. No, Terry. Terry, you gotta help. Tell him I don't have his fucking ledger.
0: Welcome back to The Filmography, the show dedicated to watching every credited film from an actor's complete back catalogue from past debut through to present day in chronological order. Each episode, I'm joined by an esteemed guest to watch and discuss the next entry from The Focus Filmography and consider how it ranks amidst their career and whether we can trace any typecasting trends or topic traits or theatrical tips. For episode 18, I'm joined by big brain Blake is to discuss the 18th big screen appearance of the Staith in the based on a true story Cockerney crime caper The Bank Job We watch, you listen and hopefully watch along too So Blake my second episode back so thank you so much for joining me for what is your second appearance as well and we're yeah, discussing thanks. what I think is a more reserved entry uh, amongst the safe filmography I don't know how you feel about it that's interesting. Um, that's an interesting way to describe
1: it. Speak more on that. W- why would you put it like that?
0: Because I agree, yeah.
1: but it's interesting to hear your perspective on that.
0: Yeah, I think he's playing against type here, isn't he? He's not transporter state. He's certainly not crank state. He is not really a man of action until the final third, when we get one brief bout. And um, to begin with, he's introduced almost kind of meek and mild and easily intimidated I suppose
1: yeah that's cool because that's something I picked up on as well mm. when when I listened to your first episodes of the show um, with like Locke Stark and mm. those the Ritchie films um, one thing that you really picked up on and that I resonated with was that he was still that kind of uh, happy chappy kind of mm. wheeler dealer. and But he was like a working class, cockney geezer type. Like he could get knocked on his ass. Mm. He was like the kind of guy you were rooting for, but he could still get knocked on his ass. And that was the kind of underdog, mm. British kind of uh, anti hero, you know, you kind of artful dodger that you. Mm. People aspire to, right? And I see, th- I feel like as he got into the state, the Hollywood archetype, all of a sudden he was like Tom Crucified. you know, like he couldn't, or, or like they say Vin Diesel or The Rock now, you know, like mm. they ca- they cannot. I mean, they literally have in their contracts, right? That they have to have <laughs> yeah. equal amount of punches and screen time and that type of thing. Um, so. Having him done a few of these films now, it was interesting to see, maybe not coincidentally, it was a British film or a British-based film, Mm. that he kind of went back to that character where he was a mortal. He was not the godlike state. He actually just was a mortal Cockney car salesman.
0: Yeah. It's really welcome, isn't it? And it fits him like a glove. Like, he slips straight back into it you've said a lot of words there which i've got on my notes which as you sort of break down the film a bit i know we don't really go in order we jump around don't we but you know things like working class i wrote down as well certainly that sense of like that that cockney guy um that back to that geezer that guy richie like geezery type it's really heavily playing on that isn't it and i think of course it's a movie version of a, of a true story so they're going to Glorify is not the right word. Like you said, underdog, like that sense of like play up that underdog sense of who they are. I got a real kind of like almost Robin Hood vibe from this. Like, you know, we've been beaten down for so long and we're just fighting back for the common man, you know, particularly with the the way that they frame them against the white privileged upper class, highly educated intelligence services. It was definitely what they were going for, what they wanted us to what they wanted us to think about the film.
1: Yeah, there was a great like dichotomy there, these binaries of the working class and the upper class in lots of different ways. The mm. the kind of crime, the corruption, you know, like you have the thugs, the the the, the gang, like enforcers who are mm-hmm. uh, extorting money out of them or like loan shark enforcing or whatever at the start. And then you have the crooked Scotland Yard mm. detectives and that, you know, the the guys on the take. Um, you have the kind of working class kind of on the street Soho strip club. And you have this elite brothel, you know. Mm-hmm. But that the um, David Suchet's character was an interesting pivot point because he owned both of those. Oh, no, he didn't do did it, he? he owned the strip club, and then mm-hmm. there was the madam that had the other guys. Right. So, those, 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 those different worlds was so interesting, and it was a really deliberate thing. And yeah, welcome, like you say. Um, I liked at the start yeah how he was mortal and you know what's interesting and it's very specific to this podcast he had more hair than he usually does and i wonder if i wonder if it's like a reverse
0: samson kind of thing mm. like the more hair he has the more human he is <laughs> i love that idea as a man of much hair a, a fine mane <laughs> and a, like i'm looking at you know it's going in every direction all directions think, absolutely yeah i think i can see why why you'd appreciate that
1: yeah yeah um but also he had the couple that worked for him as well the, mm. the
0: newlyweds
1: and that was a really nice device to kind of give him something to care about because like mm. his family were there and he kind mm. of maybe we'll talk about that a bit more but they were ever mm. a bit just like satellites to the story weren't they
0: yeah no it's true i guess it's you know uh... A word that comes up a lot in the podcast that, that we are all involved with amongst the Comics Emotion Motion and the VHS and the FEMON, this sense of kind of chosen family or found family is here in this as well, isn't it? Like, that, that is his family. He's got two daughters, hasn't he? And he's got a wife. Mm. Mm. But the people, his crew, they're all from his childhood, aren't they? Even um, yeah. Martin Love, the Saffron Burrows character. Right. They're That's all right. his, like, childhood friends. And they, they've done separate things, but coming back together, is to show that kind of strong link they've got, isn't it?
1: and that's that's a really good point, and it's a good time to bring up Saffron oh. Burrow's character, Martine, mm. because she oh. is the thread through it all because oh. she, as from what i from what I gathered from the story, I just watched it last night, um she was someone who had grown up in that working class situation, but she had like yeah. elevated, she mm. was a model, she'd done some modeling, she was known. <laughs> A, 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 she she could move in more circles than the others could and at first I thought that it was kind of a slightly bad acting on her part but I think she the more I watched the film the more I realized she would shift her accent depending on mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. she was talking to I don't know if you picked yeah. up on that, but like when she was with the MI5 oh. fella and, and and other people in different kind of higher class circles she would, you know, speak, speak differently. And then she was, Mm. yeah, And And when she was at the pub or whatever, the working men's Club or whatever, whatever, she would be speaking more like the rest of them.
0: Mm. Which is quite a classic storytelling device, isn't it? That sense of code switching for where you need to be and how, because we had that, she's manipulating the Stace character. We've got to talk about his name, Terry Leather. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
2: I she, t- up, yeah.
0: <laughs> she too is being manipulated, isn't she, by the intelligence services. Yeah. I, she's an interesting actress, Saffron Burrows, because I first saw her in Deep Blue Sea with Tom Jane right. and Samuel Jackson. She's like the scientist and that. But I, I think this might be her first role, and she is literally a model-turned-actress. So she's right. not having to act that much, I don't think here, in terms of understanding that transition of somebody who has performed in a silent capacity to somebody who has to perform mm, mm. in a communicative capacity. I think, you know, that's quite interesting. I think she's a little bit underrated. I, th- <laughs> she, I think she has the curse that a lot of really good looking people do. Cause she is like really beautiful. You can understand why she's a, she was yeah. a model in that people yeah. focus on her looks. It's interesting, isn't it? That
1: like, you can only be, you can only be talented. At, you can only have like one gift. Mm, in people's mm. minds. Right. So okay. if you're insanely good-looking, you know, like as we are, we uh like <laughs> we can equally be talented in other yeah. areas, and mm. yeah, and but especially, yeah, someone like Brad Pitt would get it right. But like I think it's especially put on women as well. Yes. Um, at the start of the film, I wasn't really sure about her acting, but then it soon became apparent. I was feeling it about everyone. And I, mm-hmm. I feel, and I'd be interested to hear your take on this. I feel like, at, uh, my wife, Ali, watched it with me as well. And at, at the first maybe 15 minutes, we were like, hang on, what? what, what What's going on here? Yeah, And yeah. I think it was very yeah. quick. And so I think there's an element of the direction there where you want tension, but it also felt as a viewer to be, hang on, what's going on? Oh, this is and And maybe that forced the way that the actors were perceived because that feeling of rushness felt uh, apparent in the writing and acting as well.
0: No, I think you're spot I think that's really insightful. There's way too much going on at the start of this movie because they have to establish all these tangents, don't they I mean the, yeah, the main a through lot, line a lot. yeah, the main through line is this based on a true story. like this bank job on Baker Street really did happen, very like I watched some behind the scenes stuff and some like actual footage of, you know, the, the ham operator from the movie, the real guy, was in this interview and they played some of his actual recordings of the of the the night it happened. So a lot of that is based you know, really quite truthful, particularly that middle act when they do the actual robbery. Other than the fact in real life it was three weeks and I think this was it was two days. The rest of it was pretty accurate. But um they've got all these other moving plates, haven't they? And they've got this framing device yeah. around it of the intelligence services and Michael X, who again is a real person, and some lewd photos of somebody that they keep alluding to without saying the real name. But as it turns out, was also true that Princess Margaret was photographed having a good time with men of other races, which, you know, of course is fine. But back then, it was something that's been frowned upon. But they wanted to draw these links together when really, I don't, you know, in real life, they weren't. So it meant we had to show Mar- Michael X we had to show Martine love getting arrested at the airport we had to show the intelligence services and in their role we had to show the madam and the fact that she's got photos of politicians we had to show Terry being as you said like accosted and threatened by the by the yeah. like the, the gangsters and all of this is in 5 minutes it's and, the, too- and
1: the strip club the, with the David Suchet's mm, character mm. the pornographer with the crooked cops as well um yeah yeah and like you say, it's centered around a real bank story. And it, mm-hmm. it's interesting how they say based on a true story, because <laughs> it's like they've taken a really kind of captivating heist, mm-hmm. but then to like sex it up, like literally and figuratively, they've mm-hmm. drawn kind of contemporary salacious stuff from around the time just to... Yeah. And, To its benefit, I think, because it is Mm. a really, really interesting, intricate
0: story. It just takes a while to settle into, I think. It does all tie together, doesn't it? And the third act does play out actually, I think, is the most interesting act actually after the heist, I think, is the most interesting part. So it does all come together. It's just, I agree, like the first 15, maybe even 20 minutes, it was a little bit like zip here and zip there and zip there and zip there and Mm. here's another Mm. character. Mm. Remember their name and like we're talking about now, yeah. you only watched it yesterday. I watched it three days ago. I can't remember all these names already because it was yeah, yeah, it was too much information.
1: It would it would benefit from a rewatch, I think, because once you know, mm-hmm. once you've got locked in the cast of characters, mm-hmm. you, and you, you can focus more on the relationships and the motivations and and that type of thing, because it was Definitely. very. Adding that all that stuff did make it better, I think. And it was interesting like you say about the third act, because a lot of heist films, the heist happens either early and then it's the fallout, you know, mm-hmm. like um and then maybe maybe there might need to be a second heist, you know, like the Italian job, for instance, you know, <laughs> starts off with a heist gone wrong and blah blah. Or it's a build-up and the heist is in the third act and then off into the sunset. It felt like there was quite a bit of time after the heist in this one. And then they had to do all the wheeling and dealing. And I felt like it was positioned in a, not a bad place, but just like a, for me, like an uncommon place Mm -hmm. in in the timeline. But because of all of the interested parties, you needed all of that negotiating. And Mm. that it was my favorite part as well. I, I do want to go back to one thing because I'd said about, I wasn't sure about uh, the Martin, uh Saffron Burroughs <clears throat> acting at the start. So that was soon like uh I was convinced. But one thing that both Ellie and I noted was she uh, propositions Terry Leather mm. and he thinks about it. He comes back to her and he says, yeah, we'll do it. And there was like a flicker in her eyes and cause she's got, like you say, she's beautiful. She's got these amazing cheekbones, mm-hmm. and her <laughs> kind of face just slightly falls. And you can see she's like, "I wish she didn't say yes. Mm-hmm. I wish we I wouldn't." Because she's obliged to to go through this, right? To yeah. kind of absolve herself of her sins, and she gets caught drug smuggling. Yeah, she's got to pull someone, and she's she's going to him. But in that little flicker, she's like, "Oh, I wish we weren't going down this road." Mm-hmm. And that was really nice because, as it like goes on, you hear about their personal history, they kind of put a of and then the mm-hmm. conflict with his wife. Um, but yeah, that was a really nice little piece of acting. It re- reminds me, actually, um, of a I can't remember which movie it was, but it's from the seventies, and it was um, Gene Hackman. It Mm. was like one of those kind of like noirish films, and he has this like non verbal conversation. Yeah, it'll be the conversation. And he's in a car park, the the female kind of counterpart talks to him, and he's just like, has this moment, like maybe it was like two seconds, but it felt like a minute where he's just Mm. processing it all. And he goes through five different emotions. And in that little micro expression she gave, I was like, I'm in.
0: I've got you. Yeah. Yeah, you. that's a lovely catch. That's really nice. I hadn't picked up on it, but I'd love to go back and, and catch that moment. And I think it ties in with where we've come from this idea of like, perhaps she's using her, is that like using her skill set? Perhaps she's underestimated. So her performance at the start, I mean, is the, the character in the, in the film actually is underestimated by the intelligence services people because she's playing a part for them. And then with Terry, she's playing a part. And I think, Actress, as you said, is managing to reveal these layers. She's very quick on her feet, isn't she? She'll move and change with whatever goes because she didn't really want to have to sting Terry, as you said, but she was willing to use him for her own ends. But as soon as he finds out, once they're in the vault, about her kind of subsidiary plan, she just switches straight away and she's on his team and they're working together. And so I think it was probably quite a complex role for her to play. And if it, you know, if it was a debut, or certainly was very early on in her career. I think it was handled very skillfully.
1: Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I that was a really interesting part of the story as well because very early on, either that first or that second time that they met to talk about the plan mm. in the pub, Terry spots the spook, doesn't he? Mm. And so he's he's clocked on to something but he allows it to simmer, mm. doesn't it? He sees, he sees him again later, and then there's the confrontation in the vault. I feel like story-wise, for him to sit on that was really, really good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He sort of buys... She says he was chatting her up, doesn't he? He sort of buys that, because I guess why wouldn't he? Because he does look at her in that way. He looks at her as this the one that got away, isn't she? Essentially. Yeah. He is happily yeah. married, but um, yeah. This this is the this is the one that got away definitely. So he sort of buys that she's been chatted up, but he's also got that glint in his eye for the money, hasn't he? For the score. So I think you, as you said, you see that momentary like something's not right here. Oh, but then I'm with Martine, and actually the money, and yeah, it makes sense that it would go away because he's he's greedy at this point, isn't he? Yeah, but maybe there's
1: also a confidence in mm. that if this is going to result in some shit down the line, mm-hmm. I'll deal with it when it needs to be dealt with. Because even at the start, he's a bit like a downbeat kind of under-the-thumb mm. car salesman. Yeah, He really show, proves himself in the third act, because the heist is actually quite a team effort, which is quite cool. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it requires Bambas, the, the demolitions kind of guy, and it requires yeah. all these different people to play a part but he really comes into his own and being the brains and negotiating
0: mm, later on, doesn't he? Yeah. Cause he's massively underestimated as well, isn't he? They think, Oh, this low level yeah. guy will, yeah. will get, catch him easy. They just, they, they don't expect him to be able to operate in the same circles as these super smart spooks, these super smart spies. And I think it's yeah. kind of a game of people. It's that classic cat and mouse game, but of people being underestimated isn't it. And that's comes back to that where we started the people you want to root for, the underdog, they are doing a victimless crime, aren't they, as well, really? I mean, that's where that Robin Hood thing kind of comes from. These are all rich, privileged people that they're robbing as well. As far as we see, of course, there will be other people who have a yeah. safe deposit yeah. box, yeah. but the people they choose to show us are, are this madam who does have these blackmail photos um, yeah. and, and and people like that. So we don't really mind that they're taking their money. It's interesting because... Uh,
1: during a late night Wikipedia rabbit hole last night, mm-hmm. I read that like yeah, a good portion of the the kind of owners of those secret
0: deposit boxes just didn't come forward. Right, which tells you something, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: and you know, I think you, we probably had some of the same stuff. The sense that you know, the real robbers, if you if you believe the claims that they made, they did find some salacious photos and some of the stuff they left as like evidence out in the vault. For the police department right. when they had turned up. I think they said they found some child pornography photos, which they were like, Yeah, exactly. oh, these are gonna get left and they're now gonna get caught. And so there is almost like, yeah, like that, her- that that heroic sense. And it does come right back to where you started with that kind of Britishness, that underdogness. We always like to pretend that we're we're these underdogs fighting. And th- these characters do really fit the state because that's where we saw him start.
1: Yeah. It's actually like we were both really impressed, um Ellie wasn't supposed to sit down and watch it. she needed to get ready for work the next day, but she'd got and she got past that, that rush of the first fifteen minutes, mm. and then she was hooked the whole way and yeah, it's, I think it's um you know what, I think the reason why I jumped on this one I had never seen it before mm. um I wanted to be involved in the project uh, I looked down like i m d b for some of like the highest rated ones, and this is like probably his highest rated or one of his highest Mm. rated films on IMDb, you know, whatever you give that kind of currency, but um, I really rate it, man, because it takes, it takes that character from the Ritchie films, but it doesn't have that like high, that kind of the high octaneness of the Ritchie Mm -hmm. films, the, the kind of um, it's not as masculine feeling in its production and its storytelling. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do. Um, and it's more along the line where he's got, getting his chops. You know, mm-hmm. um, I still do feel like there were some kind of emotional moments where he could have looked a bit uglier. You know, he's still like, oh. <laughs> but you know, he's a he's a good looking dude, and that's what that's his thing is that's what he's banking on. But I I do think this is the best one I've seen, and it may
0: be one of the best I will see. <laughs> because mm. it it's in that perfect zone you know it does i think i can i can only come back to the word that i started with it just feels a bit reserved like it's holding back a little bit and the only reviews i really found that were negative were the people who didn't like that they wanted to see the the stave they didn't want yeah, to see just right. the stay that they wanted to see action they wanted to see flash they wanted to see So some people said they found it boring they were the only really negatives other than that i think all the reviews and you're right the metrics on most of the the website scores whether it's imdb or rotten tomatoes or whatever it might be are all highly favor- favorable for this movie
1: i did not know in what world you could find this film boring mm. like it's it's fast paced like it's a lot of dialogue maybe mm-hmm. that's why because it's not like explosions and stuff like that but um there's just so much to go on and it, it, it actually asks a lot of you to stay paying attention. Like yeah. a lot of good heist movies, you know? Yeah, I would not call this boring at all.
0: No. I think something you said earlier about where the, the heist is placed is really interesting. Like it does feel like this has a real classic three-act structure, doesn't it? It's like getting the gang together and the plan, doing the heist, which is actually quite short, really. So that's kind of yeah. act two and then the fallout is the longest section and having trying to get away with it but it at times it it made me think of inside man and i've discussed this movie on the podcast before the spike lee movie but i think it's because that stays with me because i think that is an elite version of, of a kind of heist movie and that has it right at the start you know it's literally probably the end of act one is the actual heist and then there's the, the really long section afterwards where it's like what's going to happen next so i don't know i don't know if you've seen that movie and whether that sprung to mind for you as you were watching it
1: no but it's it is interesting about the pacing um because i do feel like parts of the heist part like you say it goes quick but in some parts i thought it was a bit bloated in like Mm. that they dwelled on details Mm-hmm. That I thought because of the pacing of the rest of the film, this seemed a bit odd. But knowing, having like read a little bit about what they do know about the heist, it feels like they were like, okay, we're bringing in all these other like, like rumored or like, fabled things that happened from the time, but it's centered around this crime. What do we know about it? And so, like mm. you say, like that the ham radio thing was like a big part of it, and. And some of what they, so the part of the conversations mm-hmm. they they included where like, I feel like if you were, if it was original material, you might not have had some of the details. Sure,
0: Yeah. I hear you. Because they want to include that because they had that as official. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of the cutaways to, is it Eddie, I think, or to, as you said, to the. The on um, the roof. Yeah. 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 yeah to, cut, to cut away. Yeah. It is Eddie, I think. The cutting away to, to him on the roof. They were nice little moments. I, yeah. but But were extraneous to what was going on. I hear you.
1: It's like it's like for because it's in there, because I knew nothing about this one this mm. this robbery, but it's like in the cultural like zeitgeist, right? So it's like in the consciousness. So that's kind of like they wanted to acknowledge those
0: pieces, mm. right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I really but, liked the moment when um Terry Leather falls through into the like the crypt. Yeah. We we, really we, cool. we
1: we shrieked. It was like really shocking. Yeah, yeah.
0: and 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 pays off really well like it's kind of a shocking moment and then the discovery and the discussion of it being a play crypt and then the the joke of like oh i hope these aren't the last guys that were trying to rob the bank felt really organic like statham laughs but it feels like statham laughs not terry leather laughs it's a really nice moment so i wonder if it was ad-libbed or that whole scene i think works really well
1: it's good that kind of camaraderie of it because thinking about how much they would have had to have been doing that tunneling, it would have been a quite, like, it's not sexy, the logistics of doing <laughs> having to tunnel through that stuff. So just no. to have a little bit of a more actual space and, mm-hmm. like, time space to have a bit of banter amongst the group was,
0: was needed
1: in that moment, mm-hmm. I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the it's the only bit which they... They fabricate it for the film as well. I believe they used explosives to get in, didn't they? Rather than That's right, well, it yeah. looks like a really cool tool. I wanna have yeah, a gun, lance, thermal lance. The thermal lance, badass. yeah. <laughs> so I read that they
1: that, that they u- they used it, but it didn't it didn't suffice to break through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was really cool. Um on that though, one of the things I found really interesting was that using that lance, and you remember how they tried out at the start with Bambas mm-hmm. and they fall over and it's all they're all stressing out. Juxtapose that to, I'm skipping ahead to mm-hmm. when uh, Suchet's pornographer guy captures the fella who he recognizes mm. as a, a, a guy who had starred in yeah. one of his pornos, and they use that sandblaster on him.
0: Yeah, that's harsh. Oh,
1: that was gruesome, man. Like you don't yeah. see anything, but isn't that cool? That as a like a device to they show the sandblaster it- on like a wood wooden closet. Yes, and it just shreds away. So as the audience, you're thinking the capacity, what it has. It show, I think it shows like a little bit, but it doesn't mm. go all the way. But as no, story, it's kind of Reservoir Dogs
0: is cutaway, isn't it? It's like you imagine more than you actually see, definitely. But I, I think thought, yeah, um, I thought
1: you would like that, yeah,
0: yeah. It's brilliant, and I think because it's Dave who is holding the thermal lance and drops it earlier in the scene, it makes That's sense really, that yeah. when it comes to be him later, I, I think he's he plays his character well. He's kind of the bumble of the group, isn't he? He orders yeah. chicken, the chicken and chips to come to the shop and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So I guess he And was he's the actually their undoing. He's yeah.
1: their undoing as well because he spots Suchet's character and
0: mm. that's, that's the start of the end. Yeah, He's the guy who was always going to go, wasn't he? How did you think that... Because when the violence does come, that's a great moment to pick out. But there are a few other kind of brutal moments of violence. You've got the female agent who's Going, gone over with Michael X to, um. I can't remember where he's come from, is it Trinidad, I think? Yeah, yeah. They go to Trinidad right. and like, when she gets murdered as well. There are these couple of slipped into these really quite brutal moments. How do you think it handled those tonal shifts?
1: Yeah, um, that's an interesting one. Uh, so yeah, her part of the story was based on a true story as well. That, that, that real yeah. character was uh, well, he was convicted of her murder, let's say. Mm. This. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that was just as an aside, that little side story was like the least necessary from Agreed. our perspective like again it's like they wanted to be adding a bit of fact to, to kind of bolster to justify their base on a true story but it kind of like went nowhere and it was almost like her killing us feeling bad about her killing was worth more than the investment
0: of building up to it yeah 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 um so just to clarify um, for if people haven't seen it their part of it is that michael x has the photographs of the royal having sexy time which we saw at the start of the movie but we didn't know who it was so that's why the intelligence services are after him because he's using it as leverages need to get out of anything they yeah. they try to the pin whole, on him the yeah.
1: whole bank job is to get that to yes to, so he loses his strength
0: yeah yeah which i again as you said like the some some elements of his story and his conviction are true but i don't think he is i don't think the bank job was done because of that in real life i think that's been added on no, to the story no
1: that's that's the way for them to bring his story Yeah
0: just it. grafted on um, yeah yeah,
1: and so uh, as an aside, like a simultaneous mission, they have an undercover female agent hmm. um, infiltrating his group and to try and find any other copies of the photos. That's and right, yeah. Michael, Michael X, uh, it all blows up and then he he kills her. Um, but yeah, to, to answer your original question, that's really interesting because at that point when it all started going wrong, Ali was like getting really unsettled. Like, oh, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like this part. Like yeah, because he's like, I'm gonna go buy a house for my mum and he goes Mm -hmm. to see his mum and then immediately after seeing his mum, he gets picked up, right? And she was like, I don't like this anymore. And it's like, you know, with these heist things, you always need the come down and the consequence to Mm -hmm. you know, the the threat to make how are they gonna escape this. You know, they escape this part, how are they gonna escape the next part? Mm Um I think it was inevitable. I think because there's not a lot of violence in the build up it was a kind of like a shocking shift mm-hmm. tonally but good
0: because yeah.
1: it was because like they wanted it to be shocking it, right exactly exactly it, mm. it, it it went they got what they achieved but also it showed it highlighted the muddied waters between the gangsters and the police you know the crooked mm. police
2: Mm.
1: It's that kind of heat scenario where you you mm-hmm. got your good bad guys and your bad good guys and all that type of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think if I like if I remember rightly from things that I've read, the same as you, you know, the character that is Bambus and the character that is the major, like those people within the crew, you know, they did exist and they did get killed, and there is no explanation for why. So whether it That's was right. through tidying up or whether it was outside agents getting them so again yeah. everything has a kernel of truth to what i think is really interesting and even if they are like shocking bats of violence and they don't necessarily tonally fit because i think for the majority of this it is kind of jaunty hijinks and then suddenly you're blasting somebody's ankle off and you're shooting them in the head ultimately and you're suffocating people and then you're killing a mm, woman with mm. was it with garden was it wasn't garden shears was it when they that they killed her with Oh, that's Machete, I think, yeah. Machete, yeah, yeah, thank you. Garden Shears, and I'm now confusing it with Hot Fuzz, which is definitely not the same film. Um, Yeah, I think, I know I cut across you a little bit earlier, sorry, but yes, it's shocking to watch, and yes, it's a sudden swing, but I think that's because the, the filmmakers want the audience to feel the same as the characters do in that moment.
1: I feel like it would do a disservice to the film if mm. it were just a jaunt to the whole way, yeah. you know, because there's got to be some gravity and this is comes back to that little expression, that reaction that mm. Martine has when he says, yeah, we'll do it. It's kind of like they were small fry and this is the big dogs. You know? and yeah. And so there had to be some bites to it, you know, mm. and it's, it's, it adds the pressure, and I'm not sure I fully saw Harry under pressure. You know, I feel like mm. I could have gotten a bit more, especially in the moment that kind of when Dave was still alive and uh, Eddie is there saying we're gonna kill him, we're gonna kill him, and
2: yeah,
1: like I wanted to see a little bit more panic from Stave. I think
2: mm-hmm.
1: he was too cool. He was a bit too cool, um, but. Uh, yeah, it was it was useful. I th- I think and and they, and they did it well. Like mm. it wasn't it wasn't prolonged. It wasn't massively gratuitous. No, it was a effect- it was affecting. Mm. I think they had just enough. If they had less violence, it would have felt a bit too um, rewarding to mm-hmm. the audience. Rewarding for our like, wish fulfillment. You know, mm. that we could be we could be so naughty. We could be so cavalier. And have no repercussions.
0: Yeah, and it is in keeping with, you know, if we're going to keep coming back to Garretts. Of course, we are because it's a staith movie. It is in keeping with Lock, Stock, and Snatch, which both do have these quite quick, sudden bouts of violence. I guess they're cartoony there, so they have a they have a different impact in a Garretts movie than they do here because this is based on a true story because it's ostensibly believable all the way through. Really, I don't think there's any points where I didn't believe that this could be fact. It, it does have a, a higher emotional impact. Yeah.
1: You know what, and I think the addition of those different stories helps with that because they all sound true because we've heard these stories, you know, the mm-hmm. Michael X, the kind of spooks running around, the crooked cops with the sexy Soho and all you know, these paparazzi stuff and the um, kind of perverse like uh, elite kind of dolphin square type stuff, you know, with mm. the um, pol- the elite politicians and all that type of thing, it all sounds true and it all links. And by bringing them all in, it doesn't actually seem that convoluted. Mm. And in fact, it strengthens the third act because okay, so now he's got the photo, now they want to deal with Mo 5 to get safe exit, passports, mm-hmm. and all that but there's still that risk that they're going to get rumbled. Mm-hmm. So by having the ledger, it's they've actually had to pay a price, the death of Dave and all this other stuff, to actually know about the ledger because it was just in the van dumped in with all the junk, this ledger of the pornographers' um, records of paying off crooked cops. So yeah. now he has this extra third kind of interaction where they're going to do a trade-off there to help like either muddy the waters or actually a little bit of extra security to Mm. get out. And I was a bit confused, you know, because the the crooked cop spots the spooks in the handover and they run off. And then it all happened in that back alley, didn't it? Mm -hmm. I was a little bit confused there about how they got nabbed and then... MI5 come over and they say something to Roy Given, the,
0: the the clean cop, and he just like lets them go. Did you catch what what happened? I now? think no, well I mean I no, and I don't think we are supposed to know exactly what, but it's part of the deal that, that Terry's made, isn't it, with with the intelligence services. They themselves say MO5, MI6. So I'm never quite clear which one it is is which. I
2: like which that joke.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um I think it's just that it's the deal that he's made, isn't it? That if he Gives them the photo of what is supposed to be Princess Margaret. Um, You're free. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like you, I think they get like kind of a new identity, and they they get absolved. They get, and also you know they have helped bring down corruption, haven't they? In the end, so yeah. Yeah, I thought that was because, good. because I, thought,
1: I was just thinking like, why if if Roy given wanted to be a prick, he would just be like, yeah, you've helped us, you've helped them, yeah, but you've also done this, and we have you in our car, so.
0: I guess brilliant. because he's a he's a by-the-book kind of guy, isn't he? So if somebody superior to him says we're letting these guys go, he just kind of goes with it, doesn't he, I guess? And if we track yeah. that, you know, perhaps they did leave some stuff in the, in the safety deposit room in the, in the bank vault as they did in real life, perhaps they've already brought some people down and who knows? Yeah. I mean, that part is certainly, I know it's not a Hollywood movie, but that part is certainly given the Hollywood sheen, isn't it? Because I think in real life they did all go down For like 12 years or something, they all got you know, they all got a decent stretch. That's right,
1: that's right. So, yeah, that
0: bit has Hollywood eyes. And actually, I absolutely hate I don't know how you felt, I absolutely hate the final scene, yeah, of this. The the whole movie ends, doesn't it? And then the state cuts to some beautiful crystal clear water somewhere. The state is swimming, he's caught a fish on his spear and he pops up out of the water to his wife and daughters. I thought that bit felt very tacky and very very cheesy. Yeah,
1: very saccharine, and I felt, mm. like, I felt like he didn't deserve, this is interesting actually, I hadn't really thought about it like this, he didn't deserve it, like he worked hard for that job, he worked hard to get the future,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I don't think he deserves to have it with his family, to be honest.
0: He certainly doesn't deserve the complete, like, golden sheen future, does he? Because he sleeps with my team whilst they're in the, the vault, doesn't he? And he yeah, I-
1: and he's also, honest. just the whole risk—the whole risk he's put through. Like yeah, yeah. The whole like because think about once they know who he is, like the, the, the his whole family could have been at risk.
0: You know, that's true. And but, like, move, just stay in the house, love. Just stay in the house. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So, uh, but but we need a into the sunset kind of thing. So, what yeah. could it have? What could, if it w- wasn't for Terry Leather to finish with him? Where would it go? You know, like. Uh would it follow Martine? Would it follow the other fella? Kevin, you know, yeah. Like Kevin. Because because that was an interesting one, I'll never mention that because he also had this thing with Martine, right? Mm. And he was always the oh. kind of like hang dog, like puppy, puppy love kind of guy with her. He was actually more sympathetic character than Terry after he that was. because he had no mm. real skin in the game. Like he hadn't really done he didn't have the problems of the family, I suppose no because yeah i felt we it felt like it had a bit of a sour taste at the end yeah
0: not I only
1: because he just holds up this skewered fish it was like you <laughs> yeah. could probably enjoy paradise without that you know
0: you know when i was watching it i watched it with my partner with emma as well and um we've definitely got to talk about the, the representation of women at some point before we we finished other than martine of course I think the character of Terry, I quite like the moment when his wife calls him out and did anything happen with Martine and he just owns it and he says, yeah, it did. And I'm really sorry mm-hmm. and it didn't mean anything. And at least he's an, it shows that he's an honest guy and he's willing to own up to yeah. his mistakes. So I guess that's the, the get out of jail free for for that moment. And although the state is the lead star, he's the title name and he's the guy who's behind the plan. It is really, as you said, kind of Martin's story, arguably. Yeah. Because it starts with her getting picked up in the airport and then her then manipulating Terry. So I think actually, narratively, it would make far more sense for that scene to have been Martine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's in her going back to the airport with a suitcase and a little smile on her face and starting off on her next life.
1: Because if you think about it, like, Terry's end point
0: there is
1: the start of Ray Winston's Life and sixty beasts. You know, it's like, sure, it's yeah. like He's just gonna probably get back into the game somehow or or whatever. But it's like, Martin, you—they had more that they could have done with with her. Huh? I think
0: there's a sequel yeah. to be told about Martin. There's not about Terry.
1: Exactly,
0: exactly. Hmm. You're right. So, as it was mentioned, let's talk about it. Buns and boobs. <laughs> lots of buns and boobs in this movie yeah yeah there is it is a really little there. bit uncomfortable for the first few minutes i'll be honest sitting next to the, my partner cuz i just, i've i've seen this once before like when it came out years and years ago and i'm no prude she's no prude you know what i mean we're, we're human we we have a child together you know we all know how that happens I'm not, you know we're not prudish sure about that kind of thing but i was a bit yeah. like whoa! i was watching a Statham caper movie this was going to be fun and suddenly yeah. yeah this is really in my face
1: yeah, that took me by surprise as well. Um, well. A pleasant surprise, but it took me by surprise. <laughs> um, especially as it's a bit weird now that I've been doing my research and kind of reading up about Princess Margaret. Like I didn't know that much. Like I knew she was mm. a bit of a socialite like and that, but to like look at that real person, and especially like to see, like older photos of her, I think but, like this was a known person, and they're like insinuating not just the events, but that this is her. You know,
0: mm,
1: mm. these are, these are her breasts.
0: Yeah. Yeah but, yeah,
1: but I do think maybe there's a decision that because it's, at the start, the intro, they're like frolicking in the sea. You see this uh, topless woman who we uh, is insinuated to be princess Margaret. And then later on, there's like frolicking in a bed, mm. like a menage a trois or something like that um, done in soft focus. Mm. And because it's focused on a photographer, taking photos, which are the photos that we've been talking about. So I wonder if they felt it was less weird to show breasts first in a separate Mm -hmm. incident and not show any nudity in the act.
0: Sure. I hear you. Yeah.
1: Um, Then later on you have the kind of pornographer strip club element, so you need to show what David Suchet is doing and Mm so it was quite a lot of... You have the brothel, risk. of course, as
0: well, don't you? And, yeah. it, but it, and the bottle, it all happened yeah. to that that bit. We were talking about that like early kind of montage of all these different people. It's just kind of like, here's buns and boobs. Here's more boobs. Here's more boobs. Here's more... Yeah, I don't know. It's just a gradual or like... It just, at times, I don't know if it felt like it added. Yeah, no, you're right. I think that's a really nice explanation for the early part. I, I like that. But the rest of it... Was titillation really wasn't it? It was for the it was, a, it was for
1: it was a bit salacious in a way. Mm. Um, it showed, although I mean, I'm you know, I'm 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 exploring here. It showed the raucousness of the kind of working man's strip club on the streets mm. of Soho, and mm-hmm. then it juxtaposes with this like high class brothel mm-hmm. where I don't remember the nudity so much in it because you're drawn to these elderly pasty Mm. white bodies of these elderly men and you see them again in the photos and because of the flash photography of the photos the women in their kind of leather and lingerie don't stand out as much as these writhing contorting Mm. um gammon politicians (laughs) and it was ugly and beautiful in its ugliness like a turner painting um Mm. where Where There there were some reasonings behind it, but I do agree that maybe on the whole, some of it was a bit like salacious or sensational. One tidbit I remember from the trivia was that according to Roger Donaldson, the director, Mm. one of the worst days of filming was the strip club Mm. because they had all these women in lingerie, but contemporaneous to this time, most of them were shaven which doesn't really fit so they sure. had all these Merkins you know we know Merkins <laughs> right like hastily made and then they were like slipping about and just looking like rubbish and it caused some great aggravation apparently so
0: apparently life being a director yeah this early 60 year old man who was really struggling I'm sure <laughs> uh, amongst all of that so so perhaps perhaps
1: if it wasn't necessary
0: to show that much skin, He might have Mm. not had the worst day of filming in his life. No, I think it just always comes down to intention. I think you, I think you're doing more work because of who you are than what was actually in the film. I think it just all, all of this stuff always now as I've grown older, of course, and wiser, and you know, in my twenties, hooray, boobs, um, which is when I would have first watched this film. But now, as a mid forties year old man, you know, I'm not in that place, and I think I need it to be there for a purpose. And I think yeah, you know yeah. you you talked about that scene with the politicians. I think is really interesting, but I think I still feel like in that scene we need to be judging the politicians for the way they are treating these women as objects. But I don't think the camera does that, and it's that That's male gaze. Yeah. It's that male gaze, isn't it, that we see from the director? Yeah. And it comes down to the director's vision for me here. I think what you're doing is putting on a really interesting reading of it. And I, I totally hear it. And I think it works much better in the later scene when we see the politician, as you said, in like the BSM type stuff, when he's all been in leather and chains and he's like, whip me harder and stuff, isn't it? I think it works better there. But I think the even the high-class scene for me felt like it was a man wanting to film attractive women for the sake of doing that.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there could definitely have been ways that could have been turned down for sure. For sure, and still and still portray what they needed it to be.
0: Yeah, I think so. But I think I think you're right. I think you've got a really interesting. I think those scenes need to be there to show the sleazy side, the high end side, to show the worlds we're operating in. It's just yeah, how they choose to depict that. And and again, let's come back to Martin and actually um, Terry's wife as well. You know, neither of them are shot in that way. I don't think Wendy yes, isn't it. His that's wife. a good point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're not. They're not like really sexualized, or they're they're really well put together in their costuming and and makeup yeah. and all that type of thing. Like where people might not have always looked so done up. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of the men don't look as put together. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry leather. There was a lot of leather in this film. But,
0: there was a lot of um, leather. Yeah. <laughs> but that um, dude could wear that leather jacket. That is not not a problem for him
1: it's interesting how mostly those two female characters are based around their relationships to the men though like mm-hmm, Terry mm-hmm. and the other guys you know like yeah. uh, Martine was the one that got away you know regardless to of like her just living her life having her own struggles and that type of thing yeah there was a brief interaction between Martine and Wendy wasn't there at the end, yes. and it felt like it had a potential for a bit of potency, but it mm-hmm. almost felt a bit throwaway, like shit, Martin says something to the effect of uh, if I I asked him to run away with me, and if he would, I wouldn't have given you a second thought, basically, mm. which was a cold line, it was like yeah. quite cool, but like I felt like it was not given the time that it mm-hmm. could have had mm-hmm. to, to, to balance out the relationship dynamics a bit a bit
0: more yeah it was I, I agree agreed i thought it was a well handled moment in terms of the actresses and how they did that scene but again i think you just said something really interesting there only in order to come back to terry's story yeah yeah because then
1: Martin comes leaves windy gives terry the kiss goodbye which again balls the move but yeah, and, and then <laughs> and 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 then Terry and Wendy like look at each other and give them each other like the the nods. Like she's like, "Oh, all is forgiven," kind of thing, you know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So yeah, again, like you say, yeah, it, it circles back to enables Terry to be that kind of gaffling guy in the water, and his lovely, beautiful family gazing adoringly at him in the final scene.
0: Hmm. It's just a cliche, isn't it? Like all the the brothels and the Mr. is there a cliche that I think I can I can do without now? Like, I get it. Like, sleazy men go to sleazy places. Show me the outside of it. That's actually enough for me. I know what goes on behind there. You know, I've seen it in movies. Yeah. I've been yeah. on Stag Do's. Um, I've spent, unfortunately, some time in that world. Never enjoyable. Always uncomfortable. So, yeah, I don't know. I think unless it's got a specific dramatic purpose, I just, you know, it, it feels a bit, it's another area that feels cliche and feels like just could have been done. A bit better, I think, for me.
1: One thing I will say about that is that I think that Stucheys character was an interesting um, linchpin between the worlds mm. um, of that kind of high class, low class, and that because like, mm-hmm. he's he's dealing with the corruption up high, he's dealing with the people on the street, um, and I think the fact that that film was talking about corruption and like sexual deviancy and mm, mm. um all that like in the kind of upper echelons of society politicians and uh the landed gentry and all that i think that was a really good aspect to have in it because like yeah. you say in the real story they apparently they in the real crime they, they, they left the photos of uh, you know, allegedly they left the photos of a politician uh, abusing a child or something like that. So it's kind of like the working class folks are like, this is fucked up. Mm. We don't need this, but we'll leave it here. So you guys can deal with it. And the tragedy, the tragedy is, and there's another thing that the film brings in this thing about called the D notice. I I'd never mm-hmm. heard of the D notice mm-hmm. before. No, we're, the, the higher-ups, the MO5, or the royals, or whoever, I guess, who has the power, can put, like, an a injunction on the press, like, to silence the press, like, kill this story. We do not want this story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sadly, these things come up, you know, Dolphin Square and all these, like, abuses of oh. power come up all the time, and then they just kind of drift away, and we start talking about migrant boats and that type of thing instead, yeah. you know? And so, in some ways... I can forgive elements, salacious elements of this film mm.
0: because they're talking about something that should actually be discussed a bit more. I mean, it remains relevant, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> you know, royals abusing their power. It feels like that's still somewhat relevant now in 2023. Couldn't possibly mm-hmm. say why. Mm-hmm. Um, the state. Let's come back to the state a little bit. So he, we've said like he's a bit more reserved. We'd like to... Performance by and large in this, he said. Um, you can wear a leather coat very nicely. I think for me, like, p- partly seeing him come back to this world is feeling that kind of cadence and his line delivery in this just feels like, oh, sort of, you know, like that warm blanket feeling. It's, you know, the state is back where he should be. As much as I love him being, you know, the action guy too, but there's just something, almost every line at times had me like, you know, butterflies in my tummy or just feeling happy. I could, f- I could feel M... Um, Next to me, being be like, "Oh, there he goes again! Like oh. he's <laughs> off with the staith again." Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a musicality to it. I think um, the way he talks and that kind of yeah, the it's the accent, it's the kind of graveliness, that's the it's the rhythm, and it's it makes. It really, it really kind of typifies that underdog character that we're talking about because it's like he sounds like a, like a person of like the streets, like the working class, and that type of thing. Mm. But the musicality of it gives it like he's he's up, he's ready to go. He's a bit of a blagger. Um, speaking of blaggers, just another little bit of trivia off to the side. I I I read that the writers of this also wrote. wrote Alfredo the pet, mm. and the 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 name Terry was it Terry Leather was the connection. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had a character in Alfredo the pet, but Terry Leather who was this ex con or whatever. We're done on this, but I just wanted to. I just thought about it because Alfred Saint pet is the favorite show of uh, another blagger, our good friend uh, <laughs> Chris Chris Phelps from the VHS. So, back. so I just the, I, the 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 connection there I couldn't pass up. So, yeah.
0: I love it. It's like six degrees of Chris Phelps. Absolutely, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I like him. Like I said earlier, this for me is like the key point. Statham. He's mm. still got his. He's still got his foot in that kind of streets of East London, Terry Lever kind of world where he um he's a little bit uh, infallible. He's got a little bit of weakness, but he's going to rise to the occasion. But he has also that charisma, the confidence, and the he can, you know, swing his fists a bit and charm the ladies as he does in the uh, you know, the Hollywood stuff.
0: As mm. well. Yeah, it's true. I don't think we see this state enough nowadays. I think he's too he's risen to a, a place now, hasn't he? Because of the fast movies and even something like the Meg perhaps. You know, these again, as much as I enjoy him in all of those and I like all those films, he's risen to a place now where perhaps it's difficult for him to step back into that role again a little bit.
1: Yeah, there's more box-ticking with those kind of franchisey big marquee movies, you know, where mm-hmm. you, people go to them because they expect X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. Whereas this felt reminiscent of other films they'd done because of the world, but it felt more a, original character in a mm. way, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I do. What did you think about the moment he gets to bust out some action? So it's right yeah. the end, isn't it? it's in the alleyway, and the handoff, as you said, hasn't gone well. The corrupt cops have legged it, and they've got his. They've got what? He loses his little satchel thing, doesn't he? Which has got. That's the, right.
1: That's right. Got the got the ledger and. Stuff the ledger, and in, yeah.
0: so he goes after them.
1: And his passports, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was good, and it was actually like you mentioned earlier uh, about how late it came. It, it was that point was like, hang on. Wow, we actually haven't seen anything like this mm. until now. I think it was handled really well. I feel like it was very. The choreography was good. The it was filmed well. It was filmed in that western style where you always cut. You know, you they make the swing and then it cuts to the impact.
0: Yeah, cut on the, and hit, like, that, yeah.
1: the and like that kind of Hong Kong stuff where you see it all. Um, yeah. so it's of course it's gonna be be filmed like that, but it was done very well. It was a very brief period of time. Um he he looked strong, he looked like he was going for it. Um I just from a personal standpoint, I've had kidney stones before. So I was actually really <laughs> feeling for Sashay's <Suchet's> character. because is <laughs> like in the build up. He's like feeling oh my kidney stones and he's popping yeah. his painkillers and so when he's doubled over and he's getting like picked in the gaps and that I was just like oh oh no so my, my allegiance kind of shifted a little bit at that point yeah but yeah <laughs> I hear what did you think
0: I loved it because of course we do we love it and he, and he kicks a brick out the wall doesn't he which is a cool that, moment was, that was that was cool brick. that was cool yeah I just wonder whether really is it in keeping with is that that's the state that's not terry leather I think right, really right. it should have been a more street brawl, rough fisticuffs. It was, you know, kind yeah. of skilled martial artists, which, you know, we forgive and, we, and because we love seeing it, but really it was, it's a bit. It was out, slick, yeah. Get out of character. It was slick. I
1: think um, maybe we needed to see something beforehand,
0: like mm-hmm. a hint. If you'd done that um, with the the heavies that came at the start, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, like, no. I've, cho- I've chosen not to do that in my life anymore. I've chosen not to do that because i because of my family. I'm not. Yeah, that would have worked. They visit,
1: they visit twice, I think, or three times. But maybe if they they come early, they rough him up or whatever, and he goes by. Had to come back a second time. Had he got a little bit involved, mm. then we would see he was capable. But it would also be like it would also show. Oh shit he's actually running out of options here. Mm-hmm. Like, like because he's not only is he failing to pay his debt, he's now messed with the enforcers even more motivation to go on this crazy yeah. uh, heist. And, and then, that, and then other we're, out. We're, yeah. we've had a taste and then it makes more mm. sense later on. Yeah, no, you're right. It was slick. I think by that point in the movie I was happy for it to be wrapped up.
0: Yeah, um, you are bought in and yeah.
1: Yeah, the, the 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 brick thing was a cool idea though, because you do think how's he going to get out of this one?
0: Because that's interesting that
1: even the fact that we think, oh, lucky he got that brick because otherwise he might have been bugging. Mm-hmm. Hollywood state, we wouldn't yeah, have yeah. even had that thought, right? Yeah. So that even that that there goes to show that Terry Leather is still human to us because mm-hmm. we think, oh, well, well done.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I thought there was some really interesting stuff spoken about like behind the scenes that um, Roger Donaldson, the director, he described the Statham as an English version of Steve McQueen. So I think he'd said it about him and then I saw a press junk, I watched a bit of a press junket where the interviewer said it to Jason Statham and there was such a sweet little moment of his little face was like, oh, that is a comparison (laughs) I'm so happy with. You could just see he was like a child like, oh yes, that but yeah, it takes awesome. me back to my first podcast where, like, we discussed the people his who influences. were potential influences on him and his performance yeah. and who loved to watch in the movies. And this was that's one of right. the people.
1: That's so cool that, because I haven't read that, it's so cool that he was unable to contain his coolness, you know. Like Absolutely. He, was, he, he couldn't keep cool and be, like, kind of fanboying out about that. Um, and yeah, it's interesting you say that because uh, the poster is really cool, mm. and that's real Steve McQueen vibes, isn't it? Like leaning out the car poster. window,
0: isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does I think that's really what they're going
1: for. Yeah. yeah, yeah, bullet. That's it exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I think that all the way through, we've been making these kind of like stoic leading man comparisons, and like that's clearly you know, that's one that he's clearly very happy with. Yeah, it's a lovely moment. Because then, in that same interview, a question is asked about this film and what it's got coming up. And he's just like, I'm just happy to be working. I just, you know, and it's something again that I've noticed about him. He just, he just lo- seems to love his job. It's just, yeah, he has a good time.
1: As an aside, isn't that cool? That poster. Like, I watched a, f- a little YouTube video the other day about how the art of the, po- the movie poster is dying mm. and how, like, mm-hmm. these days with all these superhero films and all these type of things it's floating like floating heads and... basically like floating heads and like you go back to the old artwork of you know the 70s and 80s and that the Drew Street Sound posters and all that
0: kind of stuff yeah
1: that's right and that this bank job is like such a beautiful nod back to that time
0: yeah much nicer than my horrible DVD cover I've got which has been made to look like a tabloid newspaper I don't know if you've seen <laughs> that version of it it's horrible no. yeah Put it on Sprat. the Discord later on so I can. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it look. to you. Yeah. Wow. But oh, and also it has like, it's got like the red banners in it. one of the titles is something like Royal Court in, you know, like, I can't think what word they would use Royal Court, yeah. I'm not headline writer, you know, in Compromising Position or Ro- something. The Royal Court is about to get livid. Yeah, Joey, exactly. But I would like to have found that in the film actually, because that's an important plot point in the movie. I don't need it on the DVD cover or on the poster. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So Terry Leather, fantastic. Where do you think it stands in the ranking of good Jason Sathan character names?
1: Well, so I haven't uh seen that many uh so give me a few, give me a few off the
0: top of your head. So you and I did the one together mm-hmm. and he was Evan Funch in that. Where does you yeah. know, that's that, that Leather Leather beats Funch.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh Crank I think is probably that The best, so we'll save that till last. I don't know if you remember, yeah, 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 I do, yeah. Is it
1: Chev Chelios? Is that right? Yeah,
0: Chev Chelios is Crank, which I think is probably one of the best character names of all time. Um, so it's hard to beat. He's Deckard Shaw in the fast movies, which is a pretty damn cool name as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a bit too cool though.
0: Too cool, okay.
1: I feel like Terry Leather again. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm banking on the bank job here.
0: Terry Leather
1: is the perfect Statham name because mm-hmm. it kind of sounds cool, but it also kind of sounds like a soap in your great aunt's house.
0: <laughs> sure. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, like it was an imperial leather and like, you know, like Terry cloth, mm-hmm. you know, like Terry yeah. toweling. Yeah, so it's like, sounds kind of cool, but the more you think about it, the more naff it sounds. So, yeah. It's the, it's the best of both worlds. It's the best of both I hear worlds.
0: you. Yeah, yeah. That's probably true. So so what you're saying is Terry Leather is the best Jason Statham character name um, as I'm far as you're aware. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see we'll have to see if there's any other competitors out there. We've got the Expendables Lee Christmas to come as well. So, well
1: that's 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 a good one. Any any kind of like, because it's like Lloyd Christmas, right? That's, yeah. that's a good one.
0: Yeah. And speaking of expendables, oh. there's a moment in this movie actually when he says um like something like we are expendable. And I just thought, oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, anachronistically, that's hilarious now to yeah. hear him say that a few years before he's got that role. And it sounds yeah. like he's going to inherit the lead now, according to you know the promos for the new Expendables.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, the completest that I know you are, I mm. probably shouldn't suggest that you go through and find every example of an actor anachronistically Ooh. saying the title of a film
0: before they were in it. That's a great project, that is, isn't it? <laughs> Somebody must have done that already out there on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> but it really charged me up for a minute. I was like, oh okay, yeah, expendable, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you spot, you know, when they when they put in the title of the movie, when a character says the title of the movie. It's it's a bit like yeah. that, isn't it? Like Oh, okay, yeah, fun. fun.
1: Oh, there it is, there it is. Yeah.
0: yeah. Absolutely. Which of course, um, Dave picked the best one, didn't he, the other day on VHS, when he picked um
1: Deathstalker Two, yeah, yeah. and
0: right? the woman, yeah, woman's, yeah, right. and the and the woman delivers a line, but it's like T O O, like I'll get, I will get, I will get Deathstalker Two, and it's brilliant. And then it's like damn the title, beautiful. So yes, yeah. so <laughs> we all like it when the uh, when the title is mentioned in the in the movie. This is a pretty successful movie for the state, I have to say, looking at the the budget to box office ratio. So we've said like the the ratings are good. This cost according to you know, you never know how much the truth is in some of these figures, but cost twenty million, which sounds about right for I think the film we watched, but made sixty-six million. So this is a pretty yeah. sizable return, I think. For this this mid-range movie, they must have been pretty happy with that return, I think.
1: I think it's good. I think um I was surprised to read that the corner the bank corner was done at Pinewood. Um mm. Very good, very spacious, very convincing. Mm. Um, they did a few location shots. They did some tube stations. Took the place of different ones because of upgrades, yeah.
0: you know. T- to r- noise, raise yeah. up.
1: Um, I, There were a lot of actors that I recognized but there weren't like huge mm. names that would blow the budget up, I don't think. I can't remember, no, maybe. True. Um, But it's, it's interesting about the draw, isn't it? Because it's like Who do you think would go to the cinema to see this? Because Mm. I love I love heist films. I love period things like this, and like the 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 time period fits the heist genre, all that. Like we talked about the conversation earlier, that that kind of era of film. Um, But like these days, you know, with the kind of oversaturation of superhero films and all those types of things, this film feels like a very mature film. Mm, it's you know? true. So, from a cinema, from a cinema-going perspective, I I feel like I wonder if had this film been released twenty, thirty years earlier, mm-hmm. would it have made more? You know, like adjusted for inflation.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't get released in the cinema now, would it? This would be a director stream. It would, wouldn't it? And it's yeah, no kind of
1: depressing to think about because it's a fantastic film.
0: Yeah, you only get the. The big budget, don't you? The big budget, and you get the you know the well backed indies now. Really, that's what you get in cinemas, isn't it? This is that mid range which seems to have dropped out of cinemas completely.
1: Yeah, no, this is a, a Netflix, Amazon Prime mm. kind of deal. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is a this is an original that you'd watch and stream at home. Yeah, absolutely. Which, from
1: my perspective, like I can hardly get time to go to the cinema these days. But I feel it is very. Um, lovingly cinematic, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Roger Donaldson and his team
2: mm.
1: have gone to make a cinematic heist, you know, like a cinematic film. You know, like very, very, like homaging
0: mm-hmm.
1: heist films, seventies British yes. gangster films, all of those things. You know,
0: I like that so it, it,
1: it deserves its day. You know,
0: yeah, I think you're, it's it's a cine literate movie, isn't it? And I think it's probably quite a peak on a lot of the people behind the scenes. I mean, yeah, the writers, uh, is it Francis and Lafrenet or I may have got that mixed up the wrong way, but, you know, they've been successful on TV. As You said uh, Clement and Lafrenet, sorry. Yeah, they've been successful on TV, but haven't had big success at, at the cinema, I don't think, in the movies. Like Donelson had earlier success, and but not really much after this. I really like the score for this. I thought, you know, look at the composer, like who did the score and it's, a name I don't recognise, and again has had some success in TV. Some stuff in the '90s, Wayne's World and California or Encino Man, depending on where you're from. But yeah, this was felt like a good moment for all of them, I think. Yeah. Not to be repeated, sadly, really.
1: I feel like when you're at the cinema like that, and it's such a conscious effort, and. To see a film like this, you would come away happy. I feel like on the the surface, had you not looked into it anymore, it might get lost amongst Mm. the streaming options, you know? Mm. And especially, like, I mean, it's a cool poster, but in some ways it's like you don't really know what you're getting. It's not really that indicative of the film, even though it's a very cool poster. Yeah. Like it kind of looks like, yeah, like a bullet, like it's going to be like drive or something yeah, like, like it's that, a wheel, you know? man, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, um, yeah, I'm glad I've seen it. I'm I'm really glad I've seen it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's good because obviously, as you said, it's a first watch for you, and you took a risk on a pick, so I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, some letterbox reviews before I get your final word, please, please. Have you come armed with any today?
1: No, I didn't have time. You've been I was, too busy. I was yeah. Thinking about it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would have loved to. So I'm, um, but even so, I'm, I'm
0: waiting to hear it fresh. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Good. All right. So Tom Marinara, I think I said his name right. He says the ideal would have been Jason Statham dragging a giant safe through the streets of London, but this is pretty damn good too. Which I, you know, I'm. I think he's amalgamating Fast Five and. I can I can see that. Like Samson, as you said, Samson like Stace, like, whoo, come on. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, right. I don't I don't get the
1: Fast Five reference with the state, but so, yeah, it's a bit of a Have weird you not line. seen Fast Five? No, nah, I haven't I've only seen like the first two. So
0: Okay, so the climax of that is quite literally them using fast cars to pull a pull a safe through the streets of Rio.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, I'm glad this film learned <laughs> the
0: Fair enough. Sorry,
1: Mr. Marinara.
0: Yeah, <laughs> nice idea, but but not for Blake. Bridget says, Okay, the thing about Jason Statham for me is I love him. I think he's compelling. Me too, Bridget. Me too. Not so much a review mm-hmm. of the film, but I mean, it was a good review of the state, so I wanted to include it. Uh, Ghostman says, A compelling caper some interesting twists. The bank job is a solid vehicle for Jason Statham to flex his acting muscles. Here he does what every British actor loves to do, to play a gangster, and Statham, as everyone already knows, is very capable of that. What makes the bank job stand out is how it allows for Statham to deepen this archetype of his and to play to more complex emotions than what he's usually asked for. Although there's a subplot regarding black leftists that could have been handled better. Overall, the bank job is entertaining and a skilled heist pitcher with some interesting surprises regarding the interception of organized crime, corrupt law enforcement, and the British royalty.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's that's a pretty spot on uh record of it, I think. Um second use of compelling, and I think I agree, it's a very compelling tale. Um I like this idea that they've put about the mythology of the British gangster which is mm. something we've kind of alluded to a bit uh, it's interesting to hear their take on Statham as that um and that's something I didn't we didn't really talk about that much I, I would have liked to have done a bit more research because I don't know that much about Michael X Michael DeSantis I think is, no. name is. um but I I would recommend anyone to watch uh, Adam Curtis's can't get you out of my head I think it's mm-hmm. called which is on BBC and it's on YouTube I think uh, which features Michael X on there and um I felt from just the fact that I know he was associated with like Black Panthers and kind of those kind of movements on the left I felt like the way he was portrayed just based on my rudimentary knowledge of mm. him and the, that movement uh was it felt a bit. Um, against the rest of the tone of the film, of kind of feeling a bit for the people, because yeah, it was anti-elitist. It was mm. anti, kind of this corruption and all that type of thing. It was more this Robin Hood thing, mm-hmm. which I might say was leaning more to the left. And from what I kind of know, uh, Michael DeSantis, Michael X, and. Uh, The Black Panther kind of movement and all that was more to the left, and so he was seen to be more this kind of despot, you know, Mm. like a yeah, Escobarian kind of character. Mm. Yeah, um, so I couldn't couldn't fully comment on it, but that was a vibe I got from the film, so I'm glad Mm. that someone's pointed it out.
0: Yeah, it was very broad strokes, wasn't it? There was no subtlety to his element of the story at all. That's right uh lou shoemaker loosely based the man. On the man one day i'm gonna have to tap him i've still got one film actually i haven't got anybody that's signed up for so maybe that maybe the time will come yeah reach out reach out loosely based on an already loosely imagined conspiracy involving london thugs and princess margaret the bank job is a little fun and a little little the film revolves around a group of small-time quicks led by statham you get roped into stealing blackmail photos of Princess Margaret at the behest of MI5. The poster for the film promises a retro-cool crime drama, but the film itself doesn't commit hard enough to the 70s aesthetic or the outlandish plot and winds up feeling slight. Statham is excellent and really wears the hell out of his various 70s outfits, but he's about a thousand times too cool for the movie. He's supposed to be a strictly small-time hoodlum who gets in over his head but his stony exterior and badass charisma make it hard to believe anyone in this movie could intimidate or even surprise him. Interesting, Lou. Yeah, I
1: I didn't agree with all of the first half of his review, but no. I think that is the difference with the previous person. I suspect the previous person might be British, and from what I know of our man Lou is uh, American or North American,
0: yeah, I believe um,
1: so. So maybe it's just a less understanding of the culture here of the time, which mm-hmm. for me, I felt like it was quite well positioned in the 70s vibe. Um, but I do agree with his fact that um, Statham could have been more in the character of the everyman. Mm-hmm. While I like, the, while I like he was more that than he is in some of the flashier films there were times when he did still feel a bit impervious like mm. he was a bit and I've, I've mentioned it earlier like he was a bit too unflappable or he could have shown a bit more fragility when his wife confronted him and that type of thing so yeah, yeah some,
0: some some, yes some no, no fair no. alright last one Leighton Trent says impressive heist flick Donaldson takes control immediately of the film. You can tell it's his vision. His direction is sharp, crisp and engaging. The film is well cast and it's wonderful how the narrative starts out broadly and comes together in the aftermath of the heist. Statham proves himself as a leading man. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. good. Nice n- nice nod to Donaldson because I do feel like at the start it felt a bit shaky but mm-hmm. the more you watch it the more you, you see that this is... Uh, uh, Helmed by someone who knows how to make films.
0: Yeah, he's a pro by this point. He's been around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, last time you were on was the one quite a few episodes ago. And I think that was episode four, and this is episode 18. And you decided that the one was a classic amongst the state filmography. So, are you going to keep your run going? Is this a classic? Is it worth catching? Or is it for completists only?
1: Oh, it's not for completists only. It's uh-huh. definitely worth watching. I would say it's a classic in that it's a very good film and Statham is good in it. But I've got a caveat. I think if you want to watch <laughs> it just as a film goer, mm. then you should watch it. But it's interesting and it's an indicative in one of those reviews that's like it's not the state that people know today yeah. so if you were there like for that it might feel a bit provincial you know mm-hmm. it might feel a bit ho-hum he's not quite giving what people are putting what people are putting their bums in the seats for yeah um I want to say classic. I'm edging on now. Nah, fuck it! I'm going classic. I'm going classic. <laughs>
0: it's your decision. What about so you? Yeah. Fuck what it. What about
1: indeed. you though? But that's, that's, that's from my perspective. But that's, I, that's you know, the only I, one that matters. This is the most. Looking at the timeline now, this is the like the most recent film I've seen of his. So that whole journey that mm. you, you you've already been on, I can't speak so much for that. But mm-hmm. from my perspective. I'm glad I've seen this film regardless of the fact that Statham's in it. So as yeah. a Statham movie, I think it's a, it's a classic.
0: What um, What about you, though? I think that's the only rating we need, mate. That's the only rating. I think, um, yeah, I think I'd put it in worth catching only because of what you said in that I don't think it's not a great leap forward, which you know, I think you made a great case of arguing. I wouldn't have put the one as a classic, but I think you made a great case of arguing why it was. It was that first time we got to see that first breakout for him. That I think this offers a kind of a look back as well as a look forward, in that he's a safe bet to to lead a movie now because he's got this skill set. But also remember, this is where he came from. So that's probably why.
1: I wonder who. Who might you position in this role if it wasn't the state? Mm. Like, not to say that it's not possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Clive Owen. Yeah, someone
2: it's like a good that. Shot. You know. Yeah.
1: Um, what kind of film might that have been? You know, like, yeah, I feel like it's not necessarily. This is it. I think this is why maybe I I would almost go into the worth catching is that while he's a leading man in it and he's he's good. At it, I don't feel like it's really a state, the state kind of film. No. Because someone else could have done this and it could have been a still a good film. Mm-hmm. Um he does well, he looks good in it, he does everything right. He could have done a little bit more here and there. Um, but as the state, uh it's not quite that. But personally, that's why I think this is one of the best state films mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, it's a uh, one
0: foot in this world, one foot in
1: the other.
0: So maybe it's a worth catching Statham movie, but a classic Jason Statham
1: movie. There we go. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to start branching out these different things for you, yeah. but um, that's where I would put it. That's where I would yeah. Put it.
0: yeah. No, I think I think that's. I think we've we've come to that organically together. Cool. Brilliant, mate. Thank you so much. You're a busy man in real life, and I believe you've got some things coming up in the podcast realm as well that um you can tell people about to catch you talking elsewhere so i know we're recording today but we are not going to release until the 10th of july so a little bit ahead but you've got some stuff come up come up with our good friend tony farina i believe
1: yeah so we have a uh, our good friend tony farina does the indie comics spotlight um which we've both been on um, I've done um, some Craig Thompson comics with him, and we started a Tintin series. Um, mm. We've done the first two that aren't really in the, in the kind of main realm of Tintin now. Uh, Tintin in the Land of the Soviets, Tintin in the Congo, um, both very problematic in their right. way. As maybe the the future ones will be as well, but these ones are so much that they aren't really included. Um, we covered those two. And we're looking to do Tintin in America very soon. Um, right. And yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I've recently done uh, where I'm from with yes, yeah, um, with our friend Alison uh, on on Instagram, and yeah, just all throughout the kind of comics in motion um, podcast group. Yeah, you find me there.
0: Once you're in, you're in. There's no escaping. That's it so You're stuck in the vault with us now. <laughs> thank you, mate. And thank you, everyone, for listening and partaking in this journey with me through this day's filmography. That was the bank job. And next up in a fortnight is Death Race with published author now, Tony Farina, followed by Transporter 3 with the rule breaker Spider Dan for anyone that is watching along. I've been I'm Jack's Musings, and that's J A C S. And you can find me on Twitter where I am most active. You can also contact the show directly on Twitter under the name Filmog. Make sure you use the hashtag FollowTheFilmography. As Blake and I have discussed, I'm also a proud member of the Comics Emotion family, a super place full of the world's greatest people dedicated to bringing you podcasts on a variety of geeky topics. So please make sure you take the time to search, subscribe and rate our shows whenever and wherever you listen. Until next time, be excellent to each other and make sure you take the time to treat yourself too. I am Jack signing off. yippee ki movie lovers.
2: cut.